1: including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton.
2: Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Getting In a College Coach Conversation. My name is Ian Fisher, and I am filling in for Beth Heaton this week. I'm looking out the window at a couple of inches of snow, a rare sight for Portland, Oregon. And as I look at my calendar, I can count just over three weeks until the end of 2016. That can only mean one thing. Deadlines are approaching. Last week, Beth discussed the essay supplements for Brown, Columbia, Cornell, Harvard, and Penn. And this week, we're going to turn the page to the final three Ivies and discuss some of the intricacies of their essay supplements. That's all coming up in our second and third segments today. But first, I want to note that the end of this calendar year isn't just meaningful for you seniors. It's also the end of the first semester for new college freshmen. The first semester of college is exciting and challenging at the same time, but it can often bring unforeseen experiences that might challenge a student's understanding of themselves or just their fit for the school they've chosen. Many students come home for winter break brimming with stories about their college experience, but more students than you'd think come home with some degree of uncertainty about their educational path, we think that's totally natural. We want to talk a little today about the transfer process and how students might think about shifting gears from one institution to another, or maybe not. Uh, my first guest today, or my first guest today, excuse me, uh, is Brooke Camarda, a sophomore at Bentley and an alumna of College Coach. Welcome to the show, Brooke. It's great to have you here, um, and I, I want to sort of start by rewinding you to about this time last year, um, just to sort of get a sense of how you were feeling about Bentley last, last December as that first semester was winding down.
3: Right, well, I'm um, in a very anxious. I really had experience or expectations going into my first semester of college, um, and it was definitely a very difficult transition. So um, for me, it was really difficult just integrating to a brand new setting that was so far away from my family. Um, Beyond that, it was also, you know, a new territory for everyone there at school. So not everyone had a really well-established friend group that they might have had in high school. And that in itself was very challenging as
2: well. Yeah. So, so you were sort of feeling the newness of the place, the adjustment that comes with just being away from home, uh, interacting with, with a new set of peers, it sounds to me like it's very similar kind of experience to what a lot of a freshman experience when they, when they get to their, their new college. Was there something about uh, Bentley itself that didn't feel right or that caused you to start thinking about maybe transferring as an option?
3: Yeah, well, during the application process my senior year, Bentley was a school that challenged a lot of the things that I had originally expected myself to find myself within a higher education institution. Um, You know, I really expected to go to a big city school where there would be a tremendous student body um, in a more urban setting. And Bentley really didn't fit much of those uh, criteria that I had initially set for. Um, But because it did have such a great program for what I wanted to major in, I thought I would take a leap of faith and go for it. Um, But I did find myself quite uncomfortable based on just how suburban and small and how different it was from what I had expected out of college. Um, In addition to that, Um, my first year at Bentley, which is a very heavy accounting and finance school, we did have to take a lot of those accounting prerequisite courses, which frankly, I'm just not that interested in. Um, so I was having a hard time with the subject matter and with a lot of the course criteria. So that was very frustrating and a little disenchanting for me because I really expected to go in there and, um, just do exceptionally well with school as I had in high school And that didn't really seem to be the case. So I was really discouraged by that. And I think that made the whole uh, transition process a little more difficult.
2: So uh, do you remember about what time um, in your first year you started thinking about transferring as a possible option for you?
3: Yeah, I would say it was probably around the point of midterms. Um, I did give myself a little bit of leeway within the first month or two of school because I figured everyone was adjusting and I didn't expect to immediately get used to everyone, but by that point, I really felt as though I should have had more established friend groups, and a lot of that was because I was seeing all over social media my friends from high school who are now at other colleges just seeming to have had the time of their lives, and I was having a bit of a difficult time, so I felt a little left out from that equation, and that was a little disappointing for me, so I felt like something was definitely off. I felt like there was a disconnect of some sort, or maybe I just wasn't the right cultural fit for here at Bentley
2: interesting um, I mean everything that that you're saying is very sort of it resonates with me in my first year experience when I when I went to read um, and you know I felt very similarly like I was away from college I was kind of on my own I wasn't having the same kind of college experience that a lot of my friends were having um, but then something kind of changed for me when I went home for a winter break because I started to look forward to getting back to school um, I was like oh man I really there are things mm-hmm. about college that I'm really missing, even while I'm home. And while I was at college, I was really looking forward to getting back home. Did you have a similar kind of experience over your winter break or were there things that you found yourself missing when you actually left the campus and and got away from it a little bit? Sounds like uh, Brooke's uh, got some technical difficulties and and we're going to hope she gets called back and, and can get patched in again. Um, one of the things that I want to sort of iterate here is sort of this this perspective is that, you know, a lot of students when they go away to college, it's the first time being away from home. They're connecting with all these new students. They're facing the difficulty of new kinds of classes, new sets of challenges. Uh, they have to make connections with adults in ways that are not immediately obvious in the way that they are in high school, where you've got your teachers and your counselor and they're there to support you. And I think a lot of students sort of perceive that in some cases as a poor choice, perhaps. They think, oh, man, I made the wrong choice about where I've gone to school. Or They start looking at factors about their university or college that are maybe underwhelming for them or or were underwhelming for them in the decision-making process. And I think Brooke was sort of identifying some of those things about Bentley as it not being the kind of school she'd always imagined that she would attend. And what I want students to understand is that that's something that it is fairly common, um, and there's this sort of phenomenon within social media that you can sort of see your friends out there. They're putting up these pictures of themselves at parties and enjoying class, and it looks like everything is perfect. Uh, and in some cases, they're having the same kinds of struggles that you are. But, of course, those are not sort of the subject of their social media posts. And it sounds like Brooke is is back on, on the line. Um, one thing that I, I want to talk to you a little bit about getting into – the actual transfer process. So you think, okay, maybe transferring is for me. How did you start looking at alternatives to Bentley and engage in that sort of college research process again from the beginning?
3: Uh, Well, a large portion of it was revisiting some of the colleges that I had initially been considering my senior year that maybe I either didn't get into or hadn't considered as seriously. Um, A really important factor for me was finding a school that had a program that suited what I wanted to study specifically. And it is rather specific and kind of a niche major, so it was difficult to find schools that met that criteria, but with the help of Kara from College Coach, we really delved into the research process head-on and got so much accomplished. I um, really opened up my eyes to schools that I maybe wouldn't have considered or schools that I should have considered more, uh, you know, significantly
2: was Was there anything that felt kind of strange to you um, in terms of like being at a school and then looking at the same time for a for an alternative to choose? Did that feel weird at all? or Are you starting to notice things about Bentley in a different way as you were doing research about other schools?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um well it was of course a bit strange being at a college and applying to colleges um, in itself, that was a bit uh, arcane. Um, but I will say. Something that really impacted my experience during the transfer process was I continued to keep myself involved in extracurriculars and clubs and different organizations at Bentley, and Good. rather than you know just shutting down, only focusing on the transfer process, and I think that really helped shape my opinion and influenced what my ultimate decision was, um, because I was able to recognize all the awesome opportunities that I was being offered at a smaller, uh, you know, more niche kind of school like
2: Bentley. Yeah, I mean, that's a great piece of advice for students, even if you're sure that you want to transfer. Um, your transfer application is so much more attractive if you've shown that you're able to take advantage of the community that you're a part of. Um, if you haven't been involved and you're not taking full advantage of the resources that are available to you, then a college that you might transfer to will think, well, what's, what's she going to do when she gets here? And so, you know, Brooke, by, by sort of involving yourself in activities, you're not only feeling closer to Bentley, you're also improving a potential application as a right. transfer student as well. Um, now, did you, you know, you probably engaged in the process of writing that transfer essay, right? Why, yeah. why are you looking to transfer? What are you, what are you looking for? Um, how did that process go for you? What, what, what was your sort of thinking as you were articulating what you wanted to change about your experience?
3: Right. Um, well, I would say one of the biggest factors that I zeroed in on on my um, transfer essay was Diversity. Fenley is an extremely homogenous type of environment. And mm-hmm. like I said, originally, I expected to be in a more urban, diverse, different kind of setting. Um, so when I wasn't really being exposed to that, I felt like I wasn't getting the full college experience that I had anticipated. That was a great sure. deal of what I talked about on my essay. Um, but again, I really related to it all the different multifarious um, experiences that I had had at Fenley, which may have prompted me to want a little more diverse of an environment. Uh, so, for instance, I participated in the service learning program where we worked with underprivileged kids, which were mostly in, um, you know, distant minority areas away from Bentley, and we taught mm-hmm. them uh, different technology skills to help further their education. And that experience was something that I talked about a great deal with um, because it showed that I was really opening my eyes to a different sort of community and getting in those more diverse experiences that I was really seeking out in college as a whole.
2: Uh, yeah, that's, that's so did your did your recognition of the lack of diversity inspire the choice that you made to get involved in that organization? Or was that something that you might have gotten involved in, whether you had chosen to transfer or not?
3: Uh, I think it probably would have been something that I had gotten involved in either way. I mean, I was actively you know, seeking out opportunities that were similar to that before I had decided to transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think throughout the transfer process, the disparities were definitely highlighted to a much greater extent as a result of my involvement in that. So that really um, helped me to open my eyes to just how big of a distinction there was between where I was and where I wanted to be.
2: I mean, it's just so interesting, I think, because the process that you had to go through to to think about being a transfer applicant really had to be very analytical. You led to look at pros and cons of Bentley and think about them in contrast to, you know, other schools that you might choose. And that sort of, analytics, uh, you know, the, the w- that way of being analytical about your university is not really something that freshmen often engage in. Uh, did, did you find that you were thinking about Bentley differently from your peers or a little bit more from a standpoint of pros and cons compared to, to others who were, you know, more fully invested in sticking around uh, for the full four years?
3: Well, I would say originally, uh, when I started the transfer process, it was more of a pro and con type of analysis where I was looking uh-huh. at, okay, this is job placement, majors, organizations, proximity to home, proximity to cities, things like that, that were all weighed in quite significantly and analyzed in various uh, ways. But I think it was the social bonds and the involvement that I had undertaken throughout the transfer process at Bentley that really shaped my opinion ultimately, where I felt as though I actually could become a part of a community. And there were indeed people from all different backgrounds, um, a lot Mm -hmm. of international students who I learned a great deal from. And I really do think that those more um, qualitative variables rather than the quantitative ones were those which ultimately shaped my opinion the most.
2: Interesting. And did you find that as you were going through the transfer process, you started to make more connections with adults on campus, uh, maybe because you were looking for advice about the transfer process or because you need letters of recommendation from faculty members? Did did that sort of opportunity to connect with mentors um, sort of increase as you went through the process?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially when I was asking one of my professors for a letter of recommendation. And ironically enough, it was my accounting professor. Um, And we sat down and just talked a bit about the transfer process, about Bentley, and um, we found out that we actually did have quite a few common interests. Her daughter was actually at another school, majoring in almost the exact same thing that I was, and she had a lot of great literature recommendations, and we just had a great conversation about life in general. And I think that was um, really important towards shaping my experience at Bentley, because I, I felt a little less isolated, and I felt like there were people that I could reach out to and look up for for the support system that I didn't really originally feel that I had.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's sort of remarkable. I mean, these you're you are intentionally going about making these kinds of connections because you are using them as resources, right? You go to a, a professor because you need a letter of recommendation, but I think it's also this is great advice for seniors who are listening, or if you have a if you're a parent of a student who's a freshman and they're not feeling like they're making these connections, you don't have to go to a professor just because you need a letter of recommendation. You can go just to talk um, and Absolutely. to start to develop those kinds of relationships. So, Brooke, have you, have you become sort of more confident in terms of your, your interactions with faculty members uh, oh, over absolutely. the last year? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I, um, well, first of all, during the um, syllabus week of class every semester, I always make a pretty big effort to just hang around after class a little bit and talk with my professors, see what kind of resources they offer, what they're like, um, kind of find some common ground with them and just establish those relationships. I think that's really instrumental towards getting the help and support that you need in a higher academic setting. Um, I can say personally that being able to even reach out to the coordinators of certain course programs, it's all about really taking initiative and making the change mm-hmm. that you want to see.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we're burying the lead here a little bit, but uh, you you stayed at Bentley. Obviously, you, you made the decision to come back for your sophomore right. year. But did you actually go through the process of applying to other schools and hearing back from them and, and weighing those offers? Or was, did you sort of uh, halt the transfer process in, in the middle of things?
3: Uh, no, actually, I completely went through with the full transfer process. I got into every school that I had applied to, which wasn't something that I wow. experienced um, during college, my uh, uh, high school applications originally. Yeah. So um, that was really enchanting because I finally felt like it was my choice to stay at Bentley. And I had a lot of really incredible options. And it was really up to me to make the decision. And I didn't necessarily feel as confident in that decision the first time around. So when sure. I finally had all of these many options and I had the confidence that, wow, I'm capable of getting into all these places and really taking control of where I go, I felt a lot more confident in my decision to stay at Bentley because I was aware of the opportunities that I had been offered and the opportunities that I could now see.
2: This is actually... So what you're saying right now is actually something that is really important, I think, for seniors who have... Uh, a college list that is really reach heavy. So they have one safety school, maybe in a whole bunch of reaches, um, and they only get into that safety school, and that ends up being where they go by default. If you only get into one school and you get a bunch of deny letters from other institutions, I think you're less excited about getting to go to that one school than if you get into five or six places and you choose it intentionally. And yeah, I don't know that absolutely. that's what you experienced the first time around, Brooke, but. Uh, It sounds like having that control makes you more excited about the choice you ultimately make.
3: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the first time around, I had only gotten into maybe two or three schools out of the 10 to 12 that I had applied to. So that in itself was very disillusioning. Um, And I felt like I was just kind of settling for a school at that point. And I didn't have the excitement of announcing on Facebook what school I had committed to that all of my friends were experiencing around me. Um, So I was quite disappointed the first time around. I didn't really have that initial... Excitement and jolt of energy um, when thinking about going to college. Um, so when I finally felt as though I could take control over, uh, you know, my college choices, and I had options, but it was up to me to pick. That was what made all the difference for me personally. Yeah,
2: that's terrific. I mean, are you now that you're another semester in? You've you got three under your belt. Do you feel really glad that you stayed at Bentley and really excited about the, the rest of your time there?
3: Absolutely, I, I could not be happier here. I mean, the relationships and bonds that I've forged here are. Uh, just unprecedented I'm taking some incredible classes and getting just so much insight and experiences and opportunities for the future which I couldn't be more thrilled about
2: that's it's great they should are you uh by any chance connected to the admission office there at Bentley have you have you uh had an opportunity to work as an intern or a tour guide
3: um I can't say I have not with Bentley no
2: it might be something you want to look into because it sounds like you've got a really good story to share and and something that uh, maybe they want to use, um, you know, to to sort of talk to their prospective students. So
4: thank you that's another much.
2: possible opportunity. Yeah. Uh, thank Absolutely, you very much yes. f- for coming on the show and, and sharing your story. And I, I think it's a great one for seniors to hear. And also if, if there are parents listening who have students that are, you know, again, struggling with that first year of college, um, get out there, get involved, connect with adults, make an impact on campus. You're gonna find that there's real opportunity to be had there.
3: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me here. I hope this is helpful for all the listeners and I really appreciate the chance to share my story.
2: Absolutely, thank you so much for being so open um, and good luck with uh, finals.
3: Thanks very much, I appreciate it.
2: All right, we're gonna take a short break but when we come back we'll be diving into the essay supplements for Dartmouth, Princeton, and Yale. Don't go anywhere.
0: most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, myth Reality and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
2: Boy, the snow is really starting to come down out there. Um, in Oregon terms, it's, uh, as far as Hanover, New Hampshire would be concerned, um, it's, it's kind of a light dusting. Um, and I mentioned Hanover because we're going to sort of make our way out there to talk about Dartmouth essays uh, and also essays for, for Yale and Princeton a little bit later in the show. Um, for those listeners who are new to the show or maybe missed last week's episode— I'd recommend diving into the archives from the December 1 episode. You can hear perspectives from Beth Heaton and Karen Spencer on Brown, Columbia, and Harvard, and a little bit of a touch on Cornell and Penn as well. Um, But don't do that just yet uh, because we've got Emily Toffelmeyer here to help me um, and you work through the last three Ivy League essays. Uh, Emily, welcome back to the show.
4: Thanks for having me back, and thanks for blowing my name. That was, I am
2: so sorry. We have, talked, talked about how to pronounce that. <laughs> I was so focused on the last name that I called you Effily. So, all right, Emily. <laughs> let, let's start with Dartmouth. Um, we were talking about this right. earlier today, uh, and you know, I'm going to sort of work through work through the Dartmouth quotes here, um, and we won't talk about all the prompts. Uh, we won't read them all uh, over the air. Um, but basically, if you look at the Dartmouth essays, you've got two essays to write. It looks like there's a ton, um, but there, there are two. One is 100 words or less. One is 250 to 300 words. Um, so you choose uh, from six options for that 300-word essay, and you've got this, oh, the places you'll go essay that you have to write as well. So let's start with, the, oh, the places you'll go. You said this, is, this seems like a disguised why Dartmouth essay to you. Why is that?
4: Um, Yeah, I I think it it is partially. um, The part that asks what aspects of Dartmouth's curriculum or community might help you get there, um, I think is just the typical why this university question. Mention specific things at Dartmouth that interest you, um, but they want you to choose things that are very much connected to your future plans. So when they ask where do you hope to go, they mean after Dartmouth. They know that you want to come to Dartmouth in the first place. So what do you want to do after that, whether it's grad school, going straight into a career. Um, so you have to spend those 100 words saying, here's what I want to do after Dartmouth, but here are the tools Dartmouth is going to give me, very specific tools that are going to help me reach that goal.
2: Right. There's a very sort of pragmatic sort of sense of what this is, which is sort of unusual in that it's it's sort of contrasted with Dr. Seuss, which is not the most sort of <laughs> pragmatic of, of styles. And you were sort of like, I wonder how many crazy rhyming Dr. Sue style essay responses they get to this. Is that something yeah. that you would suggest students avoid or oh, something they try to gosh, channel in their response? Know. How would, what do you, what do you think about that?
4: I think this is like a, a personal bias question. Um, you know, I think that some <laughs> admission readers like cute and they like poems, um, and they're really, setting you up for this, they're mentioning Dr. Seuss, they're mentioning his book, so if you want to be cute and rhyme, I think you have full license to do that, because they're the ones who brought it up, right, they're the ones who mentioned Dr. Seuss, um, right. but if you feel like that's not really you, and you don't really want to write something cute, I think that's fine, um, you know, if I ever happened to read an application that had a very tweet poem, I wasn't usually a big fan, but it was, of course, never a reason for me to deny admission to anyone. So I would just go with your gut on this one right in the format that you feel comfortable with and feels like it expresses your personality.
2: Right. It's got to be something that, that fits your style. Um, we, we just had uh, sort of an exchange on our educator list this last week. A couple of different poems were shared and, and sort of asked, what do you all think about these? Um, and I, you know, one of our colleagues basically said, I don't have a problem with the poem format. I have a problem with the fact that this isn't very good. Um, And I think that that sort of is what I would say, if you want to take more of a risk as you respond to this essay prompt, you want to make sure that that risk still has quality. You're not going to get points for the fact that you rhyme things in a Dr. Seuss themed prompt. It's still got to have a quality message um, and something that I think is useful for the reader to learn about you and what you hope to accomplish after Dartmouth. Um, If Dr. Seuss scares you, just cross the first sentence off and answer the question, where do you hope to go? And what aspects of Dartmouth's curriculum or community might help you get there, right? That's that's a pretty simple way to do it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the other six. Um, there are here five different, well, six different essays, but five of them sort of have quotes or allusions to Dartmouth alumni or other sort of interesting ideas. And one of the questions I wanna sort of ask you, and this is, also parallel with the Dr. Seuss question. Is it important to answer the question in the spirit of the quote, or the the person who spoke the quote, or can you just get right down to the question? Um, And I think the best example of this is option F, which is, won't you be my neighbor? This was the signature catchphrase of Fred Rogers, Mm -hmm. the creator and host of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Then the question, what kind of neighbor will you be in our undergraduate community at Dartmouth? What impact have you had on neighbors in your life? So what do you, I mean, do you channel Mr. Rogers here or do you ignore (laughs) it completely? (laughs)
4: Um, Do you know who Mr. Rogers is? Mr. Rogers, well, yeah, if you were born in 1999 and filling out a college application, big chance you don't know who Mr. Rogers is. So you're not sure how to channel him. You can Google him or search for him. That's fine. Um, But I don't think, I think because you only have 250 to 300 words, you don't need to make allusions to, uh, you know, putting on your cardigan and your sneakers uh, when right. you start your essay. Like, I don't think you need to be specific about him. I think you can, if you want to, you can. But I think you do have the option to just dive right in and say, here's the impact I've had on my community or my school, and here is the impact that I hope to have in the Dartmouth community. I mean, this is basically like, what are you going to do at Dartmouth that you've already done in your community as well? So I think if you want to be more straightforward you can, um, but if you happen to love Mr. Rogers and you want to throw some information about him in there or a quote from him in there, then I think that's suitable as well. I think they're pretty flexible with these questions as far as that goes.
2: Yeah, and you know, some of them, I would say that some of these really look like essays that you could have written for another school entirely. Um, Option A is essentially share a moment when you stepped outside of your comfort zone. Um, Option B is to talk about um, excellent teaching and how it resonated with your intellectual curiosity. This idea of being a community member or a neighbor, that's something that, you know, uh, Michigan has an essay like that, University of Washington has an essay like that. So there are some here that maybe could be reused. And I think that that raises another interesting question, which is, when do you reuse an essay that you've already written for another school? And when do you write something that is totally unique for Dartmouth um, or any or any college?
4: I think that can depend on the prompts. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with repurposing because I know that for students who are applying to several universities with different supplements, it can be a lot to ask. It's a lot of writing. Um, but I think that you just have to be really careful about it not being obvious that you are repurposing an essay. So, uh, you know, for example, Dartmouth has some, or I'm sorry, school we're talking about, Dartmouth has some really specific prompts, like um, option D, which we can talk about a little bit, specifically references a song by Kermit the Frog. Um, so that's not really a prompt where you're probably going to be able to bring in something from another application and repurpose it. But for some of these, you might be. So I think as long as you make enough tweaks and enough edits it feels like it is specifically for this prompt, that you didn't just copy and paste it from somewhere else, I think that's okay. I think you can get away with that, um, just as long as it's clear that it was really intended specifically for this question. But I do think for some of these Dartmouth prompts, like the Kermit the Frog one, or um, the option C, which is about solving a problem in the world, I think these are pretty specific to Dartmouth. So I probably wouldn't waste my energy trying to repurpose something for those specific options.
2: Yeah, and and I th- I used to read these all the time. I I read um the Why Read essay when I was an admission officer at Reed and and we could very clearly smell out when somebody had written a paragraph about random liberal, ac- liberal arts college X and then attached two sentences about Reed. Like it was very obvious when an essay was being repurposed. That's something that admission officers get very good at. Um I would also say that In some cases, you're almost better off starting from the beginning rather than trying to make the number of tweaks that would be needed to make the essay Dartmouth specific. It's only 300 words. You might be better off starting Mm -hmm. from the beginning than trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we move on to the other two IVs, I do want to ask you about option C because we discussed this a little bit earlier today. Um, and both of you, you and I were sort of like, I don't know about this one. Um, it was, uh, basically the question is what would you invent or devise to mitigate, um, the world, one of the world's troubles that you think is most important and how might your coursework at Dartmouth inform your ambitions? That's a heavy question for 300 Uh words. Uh, You and I were both a little like, I don't know if I want to touch this one. Um, what's hard about this?
4: Um, well, they're basically asking you to, sol- or not solve, but to mitigate one of the world's major issues. And uh, and there's a reason why issues become world issues. It's because they're complicated and long-standing and almost impossible to solve without a lot of collaboration. Um, so to ask a 17-year-old to come up with a specific plan or invention to help put a dent in this problem, that's pretty heavy. I would only take this one on if you have some really concrete ideas for how to solve a problem that you are already well-informed of. Um, and you also can't forget that last part of the prompt that you have to not only come up with a plan to solve a world issue, you have to talk about how coursework from Dartmouth is going to help you reach that goal and inform you on the pathway to that ambition. So, pretty heavy one. I think that one is, is so... Uh, big and kind of daunting that I would completely understand if no students chose to take that one on. I think there are a lot of easier options here that will let you get across your personality and your passion, um, but not saddle you with fixing a major world problem.
2: And I think that if you want to answer option C, your trigger for wanting to answer that shouldn't be, oh, I know what problem I really care about. It should be, oh, I remember a thing that I devised or invented that solved the problem. So if you can sort of start with the solution um, and then go back to what the problem was that that solution was for, you're going to be in much better shape than if you say, man, I really care about climate change. How can I solve this? That's just not something you're going to be able to devise in, in 300 words. Um, so this good. So we, we can sort of leave Dartmouth aside, uh, I think, and move into Yale. And we've got just a couple minutes before the break. And I want to talk about... Um, the sort of medium-sized <laughs> answer questions at Yale, we're going to skip over the um, why does Yale appeal to you and what academic areas appeal to you because we've covered those at length in previous shows and you can go back into the ar- archives and listen to why this college essays. But I want to talk about the the prompts, which are you are expected to choose two out of three topics and answer them in 200 words or fewer. You've got option A, B, and C, um, Option A is to write about a community to which you belong and reflect on the footprint you've left. Option B is to reflect on a time in the last few years when you felt genuine excitement learning about something. And option C is to write about something that you love to do. Again, you have to do two out of three of these. Emily, any ideas for the best way to begin to approach this supplement? Sure. Um,
4: I feel like... You could kind of go a couple of different ways here. I think if you want to talk about academic things like option B about learning about something, clearly you can stick academic. But I would encourage you to whatever two you choose, don't make both of them strictly academic questions or answers. And don't have both of them talk about your prospective major or your focus. Um, I know that you know Yale really appreciates people with diverse interests. Um, they want a person who's not only going to come there and study one thing and put themselves in that silo for the entire four years. So I think that when you're answering these, yeah, it can be partially academic, but it doesn't have to be limited to the classroom. So even if you're talking about option B, um, genuine excitement learning about something, uh, maybe you want to major in biology and be pre-med, but maybe you got really excited about, you know, a TED Talk that you watched about immigration reform and that led you down a rabbit hole of teaching yourself about immigration issues in the country and you were really following the election closely, Um, I'd encourage you to get away from maybe the academic interest you've already expressed elsewhere in the application and show them that you have a lot of different sides.
2: Yeah, it's a a really great piece of advice. Um, And I also think that you can sort of, you can step back and say, what have I already written that I know Yale is going to read? They're going to read my personal statement in the Common App. They're going to read why Yale. They're going to read why do certain academic areas appeal to me? All those things are going to be at the fingertips of my reader. And so what are some things that I might share that are somehow unusual? And Yale does seem to me to be a bit of a, you know, a different kind of almost a quirky place. It doesn't immediately strike you that way, uh, but has some really interesting academic programs uh, and attracts some different thinkers. And so if that's something that you can seize on to show that you have a wide range of perspectives or a wide range of interests, uh, you certainly wouldn't want to leave that behind. Um, All right, I think we're ready for a break. When we come back, we're going to tackle more of the Yale questions. There are quite a few of them. Uh, And then we're going to jump into the Princeton questions as well. So I hope that you'll all stick around and we'll be right back with Emily Toffelmeyer.
0: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in.
1: Where can you learn about easywaypromotions.com social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepretainment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E. Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
2: One thing I'd like to share with our listeners before we close out the final segment is a feature of our website called AppView. You can find it at getintocollege.com forward slash A-P-P-V-I-E-W. And through AppView, you can request deadlines and essay prompts for up to five schools of your choosing, any schools that you might want to apply to. It's a great way to get all the details on the options we're discussing here about the Ivies or to prepare yourself for any other of your last month applications. Again, the the website is getintocollege.com forward slash A-P-P-V-I-E-W. All right, Emily Toffelmeyer, let's get back into... Princeton and Yale, and what I think are sort of the most fun questions from among these prompts, which are these short answer questions. Princeton has um, nine of them, they're a 300 character limit. Yale has three of them, they're a 35 word limit. Uh, for those who don't know, 300 characters is about 50 words, uh, 35 words is about two lines. Everybody's got their own system. Uh, but basically, I want to start with Yale, then we can move into Princeton, because I think that there's some, some similarities here. Uh, first of all, how do, you, how do you go about making an impact with only 35 words? What are you sort of striving for as you're responding to these short questions?
4: In my experience reading applications, um, the, the short answers that I would read were, were similar to what Princeton does with their favorites. Um, I know that, I mean, it was a pretty quick read. I really just scanned them, but it was like the cherry on top of the application. It was just something to, a little fun addition to tell me a little bit more about the student. Or maybe I was already enjoying the application, but I feel like these little short answers are um, just kind of like the fun sprinkling on top. It's a little more of a way to show your forkiness, your personality, show us that you have a little bit of fun especially a school like Yale, who, as we said, kind of likes their students to be well-rounded and dynamic and very involved in the community. I think this is your chance to show them that you're not all business all the time, that you're not solely academic, um, but that you have some kind of interesting, unique ideas or things that inspire you or that you read or take part in. So I think my advice for the short answers like these, is just kind of have fun with it. That's, that's, how do you, that's my main how, advice. Just have fun.
2: I, I, I always struggle in these ones with how you balance... Uh, the answer versus the explanation for the answer. And we can take as one example for Yale, they ask um, who or what is a source of inspiration for you? Now that could be a five page essay, right? But it's 35 words. So how do you go about choosing between presenting the source of inspiration and providing justification for that inspiration? Um, Is it sort of just give me the answer and move on? Um, Or is there an opportunity there to add a little bit of flavor to it?
4: Well, um, I think that I would like some insight. Um, I think that if it's somebody who's not especially well-known, like if you're calling out a, a person from history or maybe just somebody who is not famous, somebody in your community, I think you can give them some modifiers to explain who they are, like local community service organizer or activist or senator or something like that. And you give a little descriptor, but then I would really want you to spend the bulk of it telling me why that person inspires you um just like when you answer any of the prompts on any application the whole point is to get more insight into who you are as a person i think Mm -hmm. your explanation for why that person inspires you or what inspires you that just tells me more about you than you just describing the person themselves um and i think i think you can it's really open here it's who or what i guess my advice i respect all the parents out there but i would maybe not pick your mom or your dad for this one
2: Yeah. And I I would stay away from really popular inspirational figures, uh, just because you're likely to see those uh, included a lot of times. Um, It's okay for those things to inspire you, but it's also, you may not want to use those here. Um, I would also say as you're crafting these short answer essays, you may end up taking notes for doing an outline or brainstorming in a way that requires you to write more than 35 words or 300 characters. If you start thinking about what is it about this thing that inspires me, uh, write down a lot of different ideas. See what sort of sticks. There's no reason for you to just have to keep yourself to 35 words within every draft, it's only the finished product that has to be 35 words or fewer. So bring a lot of ideas to the table and sort of choose from those ideas. Um, now, in the Princeton short answer questions, which are 300 characters, now we're being asked about favorites. Um, and when you're being asked for a favorite, usually there's only one, uh, unless we're talking about my grandparents' favorite grandchildren, in which case they are, it's a, you know 18-way tie. Uh, but if you're talking about your favorites – Do you clearly answer honestly what your favorite is? Is there some strategy about how you put these pieces together? Um, You know, what were you looking for? You know, at USC, you sort of said this was the cherry on top. Um, How should a student think about approaching these? Is it a body of work or is each individual uh, question taken separately?
4: Um, that's a good point. I guess I do feel like in some ways it can be a body of work because when I put all these favorites together, it does give me kind of an idea of who you are and how you spend your time and maybe what your personality is like. Um, as far as the approach, I've, I've seen extremes of these and I've seen the student who feels like, well, I have to be very serious and academic in this. And my favorite recording is this Yo-Yo Ma performance and my favorite book was, you know, this, uh, the this theory of the universe or something, like everything is so serious and so heavy and so academic that it ends up not feeling um, authentic to me. It just feels like they were telling me what they thought a person at a selective university would want to hear. On the flip side, I've had some people be really overly cute with these and kind of coy and make a joke out of the whole thing and not really give any serious answers at all. And I think that's not really helpful either because it doesn't tell me a lot of true things about you. So I think it's about finding a balance. You know, maybe for a favorite book and author, you do pick something that's outside of required reading for school to show me that you love to read and have outside interests. But for favorite website, like, be honest. If you want to put Scientific American, but really you spend most of your time on your Fantasy Football League website, just put the Fantasy Football League website. That's okay. Not every answer here needs to indicate that you're a serious intellectual.
2: Right. I I think that point of, like, too many cute answers is a really important one. You start to get sort of worn out by that when you're reading through an application. It's like, okay, another another so-called clever response, but the, you want a little bit of authenticity here as well. And so you know think about what the balance of your personality is. What are some of the characteristics that you would use to describe yourself? Are you funny? Are you um, thoughtful? Are you? emotional? Are you endearing? Uh, Are you trustworthy? What are the sorts of things that describe you? And then how can you use those characteristics to fill out um, the inspirations that you have from movies and recordings and uh, sources of inspiration, et cetera? Um, So I think it is good to sort of think about building these as a collective as opposed to one particular answer. Yeah,
4: and one note about the adjectives like and maybe this is a personal bias too because I'm allergic to arrogance. Um, but for the two adjectives your friend would use, your friends would use to describe you, it's okay to pick things that are complementary, absolutely. But just don't go overboard.
2: Yeah, take it easy there. Um, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't go too far. Um, also, you probably shouldn't be using 300 characters for two two words. Um, I, one thing that I like to tell students as they think about adjectives, and Stanford has an essay like this: five words that you'd use to describe yourself. Um, uh, Try and think of two adjectives that your friends would use to describe you that maybe aren't the most common ones. Like if they all say you're funny and dependable, that's great. But that's not really interesting for the sake of this response. Um, You know, try and find something that that builds a little bit more of a relationship between you and your friends.
4: And then buy your friends a thesaurus. What's that? And then then buy your friends a thesaurus.
2: That's right. Yeah, it would be very helpful if your friends had great vocabulary. So choose choose better friends. Um, <laughs> the last thing that I want to get to here uh, on these is the longer Princeton essays, and I, I'll do one aside. Um, we're not talking uh, today about the optional engineering essays on you know what it is that you are interested in with with engineering specifically. I think you're likely to find information about those in our previous conversations back in the archives. But I do want to talk about this much longer Princeton essay, uh, where they say, please write an essay of about 500 words, no more than 650, no fewer than 250, um, and use one of the five themes below. Um, Three of these are quotes. One is a quote that you can choose of your own, um, and one is to write about a person that's influenced you in a significant way. Now, these are a lot heavier um, than the Dartmouth quotes are. Uh, there's no Kermit the Frog here. How should students approach the choice here uh, between these these different options? You had a good strategy for, for a way of looking at B, C, and D that I think would be helpful to, to get started.
4: Sure. As I was reading these descriptions, um, I mean, I think before you even pick your option, you have to just really read the prompts um, and really make sure you're answering it directly uh, you know, the, the theme or the quote they give you is your starting point, but at the end of the day, this essay is supposed to be about one person, one event, or one experience, and you're going to spend most of your time explaining how that one thing defines one of your values or changed the way you approach the world. So you, 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 um, but you do have to start off with one of these uh, quotes to get you going. So for B, C, and D, as I read through these, it occurred to me that they're meant for of a specific type of student, each one of them, who hopefully, if you're listening, you can identify as one of these people. Um, Option B has a quote from a politics professor who is actually at Princeton, um, and it has to do with disparities that we face today, um, like social disparities, and it was given in the context of a speech at an MLK Day celebration at Princeton. So I think this question is really good for those of you who consider yourself activists, who are very politically aware Um, who care about causes like Black Lives Matter, voting rights, mass incarceration, um, equal rights, civil rights, reform, things like that. So I think if you are a very passionate student when it comes to those things, option B is probably one that's really going to suit you. Mm -hmm. Whereas option C uh, gives you a great chance to talk about community service, uh, using a quote from Woodrow Wilson, who is also an alum of the university. And option D is about culture, Um, also from a professor of philosophy at the university. This is a great one for those of you who are involved in things like dance, art, music, you write literature, you perform or act. Um, It asks you to talk about the art or culture in your life and how that gives life meaning. So I think there's a few options in here that kind of fit very different types of students. So if you feel like option A is a little too broad or option E where you pick your own quote is a little too daunting, I think uh, those middle three options will suit certain personalities.
2: And if you do choose option E and you want to run with your own quote, I think it's very instructive to sort of come back and listen to Emily's advice here on how to think about it, right? These quotes are useful in the way that they point the respondent to different types of values or characteristics, whether that's social justice or service or culture. And so the quote that you choose should point you in a direction of a particular value that's meaningful for you. Maybe it's because those options B, C, and D don't necessarily fit. Maybe it's because you've got something that you're significantly more passionate about. That's totally fine. But you want to approach your choice in the same kind of way. Um, option A, you know, choosing a person who's influenced you, very similar to an old common app prompt uh, that has since been discontinued, I think in part because... Students were writing too much about the person and not enough about themselves. So that's one big Mm -hmm. thing to avoid with option A, is you don't want to spend the bulk of your essay describing the person who's influenced you, but instead describing the influence and how that has been realized in in who you are. Emily Mm -hmm. Toffelmeyer, any other final... Thoughts? Yes, you do have one. I'm interrupting you. One
4: very last thing. I was just going to say, because I know we talked about this earlier, um, just like how with option A, there's a danger of writing too much about another person. I think with Mm -hmm. this, because there is a little more intellectual weight with these questions, um, you want to have that. You want to offer that insight and come across as thoughtful and maybe analyzing the quote a little bit. Um, But at the end of the day, it's still not an academic essay. It's a personal essay. So don't forget to really include your own story and offer insight about who you are rather than focusing on parsing the quote that they give
2: you. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Emily.
4: All right. Thank you, Ian.
2: I also want to thank Brooke Camarda one more time for her appearance on the show and her openness about her transfer process. We had two really thoughtful, really great guests today, and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Next week, Beth returns to hosting duties to continue our Schools Out workshop and to take your listener questions. If you have anything you'd like to know, especially as we get down to the wire here, please email us at gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. All right, I'm signing off now and returning to our Portland snow day. Pray for us. Four inches of the white stuff has been known to shut down the city for days on end. I hope I see you again someday. Have a great weekend, y'all.